What's going on everybody? Welcome to Trail Tales. My name is Kyle O'Grady. I'm a through hiker, a peak bagger, a huge hiking nerd. You guys know the drill. This is the show where every single Wednesday I chat with another through hiker, another peak bagger, or another hiking nerd about their experiences on the trail. Except for this episode is a little bit different because this week's guest has not yet actually been on the trail. Zach Cody is going to be through hiking the Appalachian Trail in 2020. That is this year, obviously. And this episode was a chance for him and for anyone else who is interested in through hiking the Appalachian Trail to basically just learn. Zach had the opportunity to just ask me, someone who has through hiked the Appalachian Trail in the past, as many questions as he could fit into an hour and so that's the basis of this episode there's a lot of episodes of trail tales that are more conversational and in more deep there are other episodes where it's just kind of information 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 and that's what this episode is if you are planning a through hike of the appalachian trail i think there's some really good stuff in here or, or even if you're just interested in the appalachian trail um, i think you're going to enjoy this one i have to give a huge shout out to zach obviously this was his idea he's kind of the one that came up with this so yeah, it was a lot of fun, and Zach, I really am looking forward to having you back on after you successfully complete the Appalachian Trail. So with that said, we're going to get into the episode in just a second. First of all, I want to clarify something that we talk about later on. Real quick, at one point, Zach was asking me about Leave No Trace, and specifically how you're supposed to deal with uh, dirty dishes, it's, you know, to be in compliance with Leave No Trace, and I pretty much got it right, but there's one little detail in terms of dishwashing that I didn't really uh, make clear and I just want to clarify that right now so everyone knows what I was talking about. Um, according to the Leave No Trace website, you're supposed to collect your water, carry it 200 feet away, um, scrape your dishes free of all food scraps and pack those food scraps out. I got that part right. Using minimal amounts of soap or just no soap in my opinion, scrub your dishes. Um, I got that right too. The one part where I, I just wasn't super clear is this next part. Strain your food scraps and dispose of the dirty dish water by broadcasting or depositing in a cat hole 200 feet away from camp. So what I said is I, I just used the word like dump the water away from camp and what, this is basically what I meant like the broadcast thing where you know you kind of yeah broadcast it um, but I just didn't make that super clear so I just want to clarify that. This is coming right from the Leave No Trace website like I said so Hopefully Zach and anybody else trying to kind of learn about Leave No Trace dishwashing. Um, hopefully, yeah, that, that clears that up. With that said, um, we're going to get into the episode in just a second. Trailtalespod at gmail.com. Send me an email and let me know what you think of the show. Please, Instagram at Trailtalespod. And Patreon, of course, shout out to Mike and shout out to James, who are my two newest Patreon supporters. If you're interested in helping out the show and getting some bonus content and being able to video chat with myself and some other wonderful folks in this community, please head over to patreon.com slash trailtales. It's honestly a lot of fun. I love getting to know the, the listeners a little bit more personally. So yeah, please go check that out. I would really appreciate it. I think we're going to get into it, folks. So here we go. I guess it's not really my interview with Zach. It's more like Zach's interview of me. But anyways, yeah, Zach Cody, Appalachian Trail class of 2020. Awkward silence is up. What's All up, right. Zach? 
<laughs> How's it going, Kyle? It is, uh, it's going pretty good, man. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you for rushing out of your freaking class to get over here. Although, from our conversation before, it sounds like you weren't, uh, really <laughs> doing anything it was that an rigorous. class. Yeah. <laughs> what was the class? Let everybody know, because this is, this is some funny, some funny stuff. It's a here. class called, uh, Beer and Wine Appreciation. <laughs> and so, yeah, I just had six wine samples, and, um... Happy to be here. This uh, this might be a dumb question, but I'm assuming you have to be 21 plus to be in that class. Is that a how does yeah, that work? Yeah, you, you do, you do. You got to show your ID every class. But, oh wow, that is that's pretty funny. Which it makes sense, but that's that's hilarious. <laughs> and it's a perfect Friday evening class as well. So it would kind of suck. Freaking like 8 a.m. class on Monday, like beer and wine, <laughs> or maybe it wouldn't suck. I don't know shit, but for me it would suck. <laughs> but dude, thank you so much for for taking the time today. For everybody listening, this is going to be. A bit of a different episode, but I'm really excited about it. So Zach is he or let me say that again. Zach has not done any through hike yet. He is not a terribly experienced backpacker. I think he's been out like once or twice, just a little bit, it sounds like. We're gonna get to that in just a second, but he is going to be through hiking the AT this year. You know, I, I don't know when is when are you when are you like heading off, Zach? When are you gonna be like hitting the trail? Pretty late, right? Uh, yeah, pretty late. I have to wait to graduate first because that's kind of important to me. Yeah, uh, a little bit. <laughs> uh, so my graduation is May 10th, so I'm going to try to get out to Georgia as quick as possible, hopefully around the 15th. Yep, so that's like pretty much the same situation I was in when I thru-hiked in 2018. Um, but yeah, so Zach hasn't hiked yet, and because of that, um, he's not going to be the one doing the uh, the sharing, I guess, today. The plan, anyways, is is to, to have him ask me questions Everyone's probably rolling their eyes like, oh, this fucking asshole podcast host just wants to talk about himself. But no, I, I think this could be helpful because we're going to go over Zach's questions, you know, leading up to his through hike. So if you are thinking about through hiking in the future, this should be helpful. If you're not, hopefully it'll still be interesting. And, um, you know, most importantly, Zach, I hope, you know, I'm able to kind of help you a little bit maybe or at least. I, I don't even know. We'll, we'll see where it goes, but I'm excited either way. I do have kind of a sore throat, so hopefully um, my voice doesn't give out by the end of this. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think it'll be fine. So to start off, dude, again, <clears throat> there we go. <laughs> One more time. To start <laughs> off, dude, <laughs> why don't you just like kind of explain who you are? I know I kind of freaking like said you've hiked a little bit, but not like that much. So just say what your limited experience is. And yeah, just... Uh, who you are and and why you're through hiking that's probably the most important question there as well so yeah yeah all right well my my backpacking experience as you said is not very extensive uh the one backpacking trip i did do was an overnight on mount graylock in massachusetts that was something i did this past summer for the purpose of figuring out if i actually wanted to do the at this mm-hmm. summer cuz this past summer i had i just had the idea to hike the AT and I was like, wait, but you haven't really done anything <laughs> like that before. What if you get to Georgia and hate it? Yeah. So I, I, I kind of just makeshifted a pack together uh, with what I had on hand and and just took out there. It was a lot of fun. And nice, man. went well because I'm following through. So. Yeah, well. <laughs> um, and and why, why did you get this idea in the first place? Like, actually, hold on. Another step back further than that. How did you first just, like, find out about the Appalachian Trail? Yeah, so I knew this question was coming. And <laughs> I do ask a I, lot of people this one. So. <laughs> You've done your homework. And, I like it. Yeah, and I did not 
have an answer for it because it's one of those things where <laughs> I've kind of just always known about it. I don't remember that first experience of me being like, oh, what's the AT? Uh, I'd say the first time I actually realized people did it because like for most of my life, I had thought that it was one of this wild expedition, like Bear grills type shit. That, that no one actually did like because I, I didn't have that understanding Which of is, what it was it's fair yeah it's fair uh and then last year one of my friend's brothers came up to school to visit who had just got off the at just finished um and i was talking to him about it and i was like wait like people do this i didn't mm-hmm. the people who go down to georgia and hike to maine or in his case he started in maine but yeah, so after that, I was it kind of was in the back of my head for a little bit, forgot about it. And then this past summer, I was working an internship and realized that's what I would be doing for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> 40 hours a week at a desk and call it a quarter-life crisis. But the AT kind of circled back in the front of my head and thought about doing it. Yeah, man. And and here we are. So I think that's uh, I think that's really cool. Um, and, and very similar to my story. I mean, I guess I had had you know, more of a history before my through hike with, with backpacking and, and wanting to do it and all that stuff. But as far as like being in college, graduating and then hitting the trail right after that's like super similar to me. And then, you know, the work thing, I don't know. Are you going to be going back to that company after you're done your through hike? They, they give you time off and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the summer, uh, my manager offered me a full-time job and I said, can I have a few months off at Mm -hmm. the very beginning? (laughs) So pretty much exact same thing for, yeah. for me, which is which is awesome. So yeah, hopefully this will be uh, pretty helpful because there's not very many people that have that exact scenario play out. Which I think honestly that's probably one of the reasons you kind of reached out to me. I'm assuming too is exactly is, yeah is that it's so similar. So I guess with that said, dude, um, you're the interviewer now. Uh, where where do you want to start, right. dude? Uh, hit me with the all with right. The I got question. I got I got a lot of okay, chicken man, cool. scratch over here that looks like the workings of a madman. So let me try to. <laughs> There's no rhyme or reason to the order of these questions that I wrote down, so I'm going to try to make it more logical when I okay. actually say them. Okay. It's easier said than done, but uh, you sound yeah, like a smart yeah. guy. I think you got it. So uh, I guess we'll start with just chronologically. So how do you – like getting to Springer Mountain. So I, I looked – obviously did – this isn't the first research I've done. <laughs> so Where is Springer uh, Mountain now? <laughs> is that in Maine? No. So obviously I'll probably be flying into Atlanta. Um, and then that's about what an hour, hour and a half from Springer Mountain. I think so. I think and maybe. So how do I, you know, <laughs> how do get I there? get to the trail? <laughs> right. Um. So this is this is kind of a tough question for me, just because I was very fortunate in that my parents just dropped me right off at the at the start, like they drove down with me right from uh right from Potsdam. But um. Oh wow. So so I I probably am not the best person to answer this question. But I do know that there are shuttle services from Gainesville, Georgia, that okay. will take you, yeah, from Gainesville to the uh, the state park, Amicalola Falls. And I believe there is a train that you can take from Atlanta to Gainesville. So it's kind of a pain in the ass. There's no like easy, there's no easy way to do it, unfortunately, from my understanding. Again, um. I, I would just say, I don't know, you're, I'm assuming you're probably in, like, the Facebook groups and stuff like that. Should I be? I guess not. I shouldn't <laughs> assume. Fuck. Um, 
that's another like good resource i would say um it, it's, they get kind of funny too like people post some like stupid shit in there it's kind of funny but um yeah if, if you go in the facebook groups there's a small chance i wouldn't bank on this but but maybe there's a chance that someone could like help you out in in that regard as well probably not bring you all the way from atlanta to the start of the trail but but something there and there'll definitely be a lot of people talking about this same question as well so if you go to like the appalachian trail 2020 facebook group um you'll probably be able to get some more information there i have heard not firsthand but i've heard just in various forums online and stuff too that some people have taken ubers that sounds like that sounds a little bit suspect (laughs) so i would definitely follow up with that anybody listening um before you don't just show up in atlanta and expect to fucking get an uber there but I've heard that some people do that, or maybe at least like to Gainesville or something again. Like I don't know. So um, there, there's options there. Unfortunately, there's just not a like a an easy way, no I line. guess. <laughs> but um, yeah, man, you'll be able to to figure something out for sure. Or maybe um, you should just try to find someone to drive you. <laughs> I was very lucky and, in that regard. Yeah, and on the topic of Springer, I have to know what the fuck is up with the approach trail. I have heard so much. <laughs> random shit about it and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like why is it, what makes it so terrible uh, uh, compared to the rest of the trail it's not it's not man the reason people okay. think it's so terrible is just because that's the start of people's hikes and you got to remember like the majority the vast majority of people who start a through hike do not finish and so that is the 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 only section of the trail or, or you know it's not the trail technically but just for all intents and purposes, let's say it is, um, that's the only section that, you know, pretty much 100%, and I guess the first couple miles of the AT as well, that's the only section that 100% of everybody even trying to thru-hike actually hikes. So it just gets more traffic, therefore there's more people to complain about it. And also, again, because it's the start, people aren't in shape, and so... They just that, kicks it just kicks their ass way more than than um than they expect. And for instance, if you were to just drop someone starting off in the middle of uh, any just any other part of the trail, um, they would feel that same way most likely. And I guess kind of adding on to that as well, just just the fact that like again, the the people a lot of the people that start the trail have never hiked before, and they just don't really know what to expect and so that's their first like glimpse into it and so all the bad parts of hiking all the blisters and pain automatically get associated like to that so it's not that bad honestly for someone like me i blew up like the approach trail took me like a couple hours maybe i started at like two and i was up on springer by like five or six maybe so like it really wasn't too bad but i met other people um, I said this a couple episodes ago, but I met a couple on top of Springer that took like three days to hike this mountain, and that's just yeah. because the people a, a lot. Again, I'm not I'm not trying to uh, generalize too much here. A lot of people that start just aren't ready and aren't in shape at all, and because of that, because that's the first section of trail they're hiking, it just like kind of like kicks their ass right from the right from the get go. But I really wouldn't worry about it in terms of like the whole trail. Um, it's it's right. not that bad. That 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 was my best theory as mm-hmm. to what was happening. But I, I just had to confirm. But I mean, sometimes crazy shit happens. Like my 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 uh, friend Mullet Mike, for instance, who's a guest on the show a couple times, not for a while now though. He saw a bear like within a couple <laughs> miles of when he started on the approach trail, which I think is fucking hilarious because I didn't see a bear for like my first like six hundred miles. So he was <laughs> right. like three miles in and saw a bear. So I don't know. Maybe some some crazy shit will happen, but for the most part, it's really not that different than any part of the trail. In fact, it's 
relatively flat compared to uh, some yeah. of the the shit you're gonna see up in uh, up in New England and New York and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I just had to, I just had to know. But while we're on question. the topic, yeah, while we're on the topic of people just being out of shape at the start, uh, how would how would you other than just getting out and hiking as much like how did you physically prepare to start? Yeah, so I just want a disclaimer: I'm not like a trainer, so like. You, you got to, like, develop your own routine at the right, end of right. the day. So I, I, I'll just – yeah, I mean, your, your question was how did I. So um, for me, I I was in decent shape before I even started training. And I started training uh, – it wasn't until, like, March that I really kind of, like, shifted my focus purely to training for the for the thru-hike. But I was in pretty, pretty decent shape before that. I had been going to the gym. And I basically, yeah, like in, in March, I just turned my attention purely towards training for the through hike, which basically for me, it, it really wasn't shaking up my routine that much. All I did was instead of doing upper body like three to four times a week and legs once a week, it was just, you know, legs twice a week and added in like some some running as well. Um, and that's really all I did. It wasn't like super intense. I was probably running like maybe 10 miles a week max, you know, for those weeks leading up. Um, it wasn't like I was, I wasn't really hiking. I wasn't running up and down mountains or anything like that. It was just standard trail running, um, in some of the trails around, around my campus. And I was just, you know, doing squats and lunges and stuff like that, you know, maybe three times a week, say. So yeah, I was working out like five to six times a week, um, for maybe an hour at a time. So it wasn't like anything crazy, but, um, just on the topic of working out, I would say, especially for, for you, Zach, and I'm sure you probably already know this, but, um, you're definitely going to want to go into the trail in decent shape because you're going to be oh, starting absolutely. so late and have to and yeah. have to make up some some time at the beginning. So you know, I would recommend anybody doesn't matter when you're starting, you should still go into the trail in good shape. But uh, especially for you, Zach, definitely. Yeah, do I mean, that. I didn't plan on rolling off the couch onto Springer Mountain. But. Yeah, which you'd be surprised. <laughs> like a lot, of, you're going to meet even like even with your late start date, you will meet people that uh that do that, and you know a lot of people do that. So. So, and, and I, I talked about this a couple episodes ago with the early riser and, and like people, people say you can just hike yourself into shape, which is true. You can do that. And people do that every single year and they still make it. So it's not like you, you absolutely have to train, but you're doing yourself a big disservice if you, yeah, if you don't get yourself in hurt. shape. <laughs> and then the last like important thing to say on this topic, I think is just that, um, I, I guess kind of playing devil's advocate a little bit, you have to also be careful not to overtrain, right? Because if you injure yourself before your through hike, then you're kind of like, obviously like goes without saying like you're fucked. Like you're basically <laughs> just screwing yourself over. So I would say train, maybe err on the side of caution a little bit, but at the end of the day, you just kind of have to figure out what works for you. Hopefully you know already, if you don't, then maybe even, you know, get a trainer or whatever, if you're really taking it that seriously and just research it and stuff. But yeah, there's a definitely want to train, which sounds like yeah. you understand, which is, which is good. Right. So also you mentioned my late start date a few times. I also have a hard end at the end of it. Cause I do have a start date for a job. What's the, what's the date? So it's kind of up in the air. So right now, <laughs> so it doesn't sound very hard then. <laughs> no, <just> well, <laughs> The start date is October 24th. Okay. Uh, but I have to be off trail and in civilization by October 5th. Okay. To, to do like drug tests and start paperwork and all that stuff. 
and I, I'm also moving like three hours away from home. So you're going to need some time for all that shit, yeah. yeah. So I, I'm going to hopefully try to get off by the October 3rd or 4th, the latest. Is your job in New England? Uh, Not really. Upstate New York. Okay, so at least it's still within like a driving distance of Katahdin. So it's not like you're going right, out to freaking right. California and have to move all your shit halfway across the country. Obviously, it's still a bit of a drive, but uh, yeah, at least it's not um, not super far. Um, so yeah, with, with, with this late start and relatively early finish, not super early, but, um, like a day I do have to be done by, how would you plan? Cause you were in a very similar situation. Like how yeah, do you man. plan your daily miles? Cause obviously you're not going to take out a planner and write, all right, day one, this many miles, yeah, day no. two, this many miles. <laughs> um, I, I'm glad you asked that question. I was like thinking about this stuff the other day and I, I might've talked about this in some of the early episodes, but it's been a long time. Um, so I, yeah, I was in the same exact situation, obviously, and I was very meticulous, especially for the first half of the trail, about making sure I was on pace. Um, right. It kind of, it kind of sucks a little bit to like have to watch your mileage like that, but obviously it's necessary. Um, and you know, some people would say, "Oh, you could just flip flop if you need more time." Obviously, that's not really a thing with you. I mean, you could, but it wouldn't really be any point wouldn't if do you have it. a hard it, it, stop. It probably anyways. take more time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So. What I did, and this worked very well for me, so I would definitely recommend doing this, um, calculate how many miles you need to average per day in order to make it on the last possible day that you could summit on. For me, it was right. October 15th. Um, obviously, yours is a little bit less, but you know, I, I finished on October 1st, so I, same, same time frame. Um, <clears throat> yeah, figure out what that mileage is. For me, from May 14th to October 15th, it was like an average of 14.3 a day or something like that. So I knew I had to average that every single day in, in, well, not every single day. I had to average that over all the days, obviously to, uh, to, to make it in time. And right from the start, I would calculate that average every, or calculate my mileage and see if I was, um, you know, behind or ahead of that average every single day, pretty much. I, I backed off once I got, um, further North and I kind of realized that I was going to make it in time, but especially for the first half of my through hike. I would calculate that shit every single day. I mean, you can ask my, my buddy Mullet Mike who I was hiking with. Um, at the very beginning, you're not going to be hitting that. And you right, probably right. shouldn't be just, you know, starting out. I'm, I'm guessing yours will be a little bit closer to 15 a day because of your... Yeah, I, I kind of calculated it out a little bit. Um, so I, I calculated the amount of time I had miles per day. And I also factored in one zero per week. Okay. Like every seven days. And that averaged to about 16, 16 and a half miles. Okay. Away. Honestly, and I guess this is kind of personal preference. You'll figure out what numbers work best for you once you're actually on trail. But right. I wouldn't even worry about the zeros. I would just do a hard average per day. And, and, and obviously, you have to factor in the zeros when you're on trail and you're calculating your mileage. I think if if you really have a, uh, a fire under your ass to like, you know, make it in time, I think you're probably going to take less zeros than one week. Um, yeah, I, I, mean, I wouldn't plan that out now. Like you, you'll figure that out once you get on trail. I wouldn't worry about it too much, but there's a good chance that'll that'll be the case, dude. Honestly, I would just take that say like 15 ish mileage that you have to average a day. You're you're gonna start lower than that. You know, you can't be doing like yeah. three mile days for the first two weeks. But mm-hmm. you know, you probably don't want to be ripping 15s right from the start. But you know, if you go into the trail in good shape. Um, once you get comfortable after like, you know, a week or you'll know, you'll know what time period exactly it'll be for yourself. But for me, it was about a week. Um, 
then you can start to ramp up the mileage and you know within a couple weeks you you will be over that mileage and then obviously this this probably goes without saying but you don't want to just keep it at that average you want to try to push it right, beyond right. the average a little bit more um i guess maybe we were going to get into this later i don't know what your questions are but just a, a good piece of advice too would be don't take as many zeros, but take Nero's. So you're at least still like chipping right. away. I'm sure you've heard this before. Like you're, you're still going to be chipping away at like at the, at the trail and you'll still get like time off, you know, just hike like five or 10 miles one day. You know, you'll, you'll still get, you know, 10 miles. You're almost at that average anyways, the, the, the daily mileage you need to make rather. Um, but you still get, you know, the afternoon off and the chance to rest up and all that stuff. So you, again, you'll, you'll figure it out, but, um, yeah, that's uh, that's how I did it. Just calculated it every single day, and was very uh, meticulous about making sure I was ahead of schedule in that regard. Yeah, sounds good, I guess. Uh, and also keeping track of those miles. So in terms of guides, uh, you you mentioned you used Gut Hook, right? Um, I, I didn't use Gut Hook, but like so many people do, and it's been mentioned oh, on the yeah. show a couple times. So like. Yeah, a lot of people use Gut Hook, and honestly, I would. I've used it like other times. I used it when I threw hiked the long trail in 2016, and uh, I would recommend it for sure. I don't know if that was your so, question, but <laughs> so did, does that mean you use the AWOL guide, or were you just kind of yeah out yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, okay, you got it. I, I used AWOL. Um, I knew people that only had AWOL, like myself. I knew people that only had Gut Hook. The majority of people I would say would fit into that boat, and I knew people who had both. Um, it's honestly going to be personal preference. Right. Uh, for me, I like to have a physical map in front of me. Just like for all of my hikes before this, except for the long trail. Actually, I had a map for that one too. But um, I did use gut hook a little bit on that one. But for most of my hikes, I've always just used a map because there's no gut hooks for like, you know, random trails around the whites or right. the Adirondacks or whatever. Um, and so I was just used to that. So I liked the idea of having the AWOL guide. Um, but... I don't know. Maybe, maybe, I don't know if you are, do you already have, have you already purchased one or the other? Like I have not because I'm the same way. I I much prefer to have a physical copy, Mm -hmm. but I also feel like the gut hook app would just be so convenient not to have. Um, but if I did have it, I would be paranoid that, Oh, my phone's going to die. Like what if my backup battery is not going to last? Like, yeah, that's another thing too. Um, I will say that there's so many people on the eight. Actually, honestly, here's what I would do. Um, I would start with AWOL and I would maybe like split it up too. Like for me, I, I split my AWOL into quarters because I didn't want to carry the whole book the entire way. Right. And then, um, you know, some people do that and then they rip the pages out. I kind of wanted to keep the book relatively intact so I could look at it afterwards and stuff. So I just split it into quarters and then just had my parents mail me the next section when I got close or whatever. I, you know, you can figure that out, but I would start with AWOL. And you'll see a lot of people around you with gut hook and you'll, you'll be able to, you know, use the app a little bit and see if you like it. And, you know, you'll even get a lot of information from it. Honestly, like when I was hiking, pretty much everyone had gut hook. So even though I didn't literally have it on my phone, I was still benefiting from it. So like, yeah, yeah. you'll, you'll be able to gauge like, and kind of feel out pretty quickly whether or not it's something you want to, uh, to invest money in. And if you're really not sure, you could always just buy like one section too. Although I guess... At that point, you might be kind of losing a little bit of money because if you buy it, the entire thing, it's going to be cheaper, obviously. So I don't know. I would just uh, I would just feel it out at first. Start with AWOL so you know you have something concrete um, and something that's not going to rely on battery as well. 
And then also, I guess on that note too, you'll kind of figure out how much battery you're using and how that might, how, how using gut hook might like factor into the, the foam battery yeah. as well. So yeah, I, w- I would just uh, play it by ear like that and start with a uh, AWOL. Awesome. Sounds good. Uh, I've heard a few different things on this topic with, uh, in, in terms of following the actual trail. So <laughs> what, one of the good things about gut hook is that there, it's GPS. So you yeah. can actually physically see where you are. Uh, so I've heard some sections of the AT are perfectly blazed, no issue, a blind person could follow it. I've also heard other sections are pretty hard to follow, like they're not very well upkept in terms of blazes. So how would you kind of try to navigate that? Yeah, um, I wouldn't worry about it at all. Um, on other trails, that's not the case, but on the AT, um, I never got lost a single time. Like it wasn't even close. In fact, I've never been lost anywhere, but that's just that's just me bragging at this point. Look at so. you, man. I know, fucking badass over here. No, um, and actually, that is kind of important that I said that too, because maybe I just have a tact for staying on trail because I did know of people who got like quote lost and and obviously you know you've heard horror stories and, and stuff before. Like it, it does happen. I'm not saying it's never happened ever, but um. I don't really think it's much of a problem. I think when people get lost on the trail, most of the time, they're not actually lost. They just took a wrong turn, right? So they they went off on a side trail, especially in places like the Whites. I can see people getting off trail in the Whites because there's a lot of like other intersections and the trail's not always marked as the AT. It's like super obviously. Um, But I, I wouldn't worry about it too much, you know, if... If you start getting lost, then maybe you get gut hook because it is helpful <laughs> yeah. in that regard. Um, but like most of the time, dude, the AT is so heavily traveled that even yeah. even if there's other trails like like intersecting and stuff, it like you most of the time you're gonna follow the path of least resistance. And most of the trail is pretty damn well blazed as well. I don't recall any times where I was like a concerned about being off the trail because I wasn't sick. Actually, maybe a couple times, but. I was always on the trail, so it worked out. So I don't know. I, I really wouldn't worry about that too yeah, much. Yeah, I, w- I wasn't too too concerned. I'm usually pretty good at getting my bearings. Yeah, uh, when I'm out but again, it, it's 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 also tough for me to like give a super fair answer to that question because, like I said, I because you're I've, a legend. You're, I'm you're a great. <laughs> oh my god, am I just coming across as like a total prick? Um, <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> like I I I was pretty experienced before my through hike, so I just right. knew like how to stay on trail pretty decently. Like I've said this before, like you just kind of. It's like an intuition after a while. Like you just kind of know, yeah. for the most part, how to stay on trail. So, I don't know. Yeah, don't don't worry about it too much. Obviously, like, do be mindful of it at first, you know, yeah. but it's not much of an issue. I mean, there's a couple, like, bad scenarios you're going to hear about, but um, for the most part, those are, like, outliers. That's not the rule. Not even close. So, yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't really worry about it. That's good to hear. Uh, so, yeah, also, uh, I know this is more of an issue on the PCT, I don't think there's any areas of the AT that really require a permit. Am I right? Um, oh. I mean, technically no, but pretty much, yeah. It's like it's nothing close to the. It's not like any permits where you have to apply ahead of time and you right. have to like do all this stuff and you know there's a waiting list and any of that stuff. Um, there's nothing like that. There's two spots on the trail where you do technically need permits, and those are going to be uh, Smoky Mountain National Park and Shenandoah National Park, and I can kind of go through, like, how to navigate that. And there's a lot of information on this online, but honestly, I was a little bit um, unsure before I went for, 
you know, went, went on my through hike as well. So Smokies is the slightly more complicated one of the two. Um, so I guess I'll start with that. Basically, you're also going to have to hit it like pretty early on in your through hike. So I guess it's good to think about it beforehand. Basically, a couple days before you get there, you have to have your permit printed out. So okay. you go online and you just go to the website. I think it's it was 20 bucks when I through hiked in 2018. I don't know if the price has changed, but it was 20 bucks and you get a permit for through hiking the Appalachian Trail like through there. Normally, the way the campsites work in the Smokies is you reserve each campsite you're going to be at for a specific night, and then you have a spot there. But for the Appalachian Trail, it's a little bit different, obviously, because thru-hiking is a different beast. And so you get a permit that allows you to camp in the park for like eight nights or something like I don't remember the exact number, but more than enough time, then you'll need to get through there. Um, And so you just get one of those. You get it online. Like I said, you print it out. You pay the 20 bucks or whatever. And then you you need to have that on you, obviously, while you're hiking through there. I think one time I had a ranger check my permit. It wasn't like a, a big deal or anything. It's just kind of a casual right. thing. But um, they will definitely give you a fine if you if you don't follow the rules there. So you do that ahead of time. As far as where you can print it out, it's there's a couple different places. I did mine at the NOC. That's a pretty popular one. There's an outfitter there that lets you print the permits out. There's also some hostels before then. Maybe in Franklin, North Carolina, you can probably print it out. Um, you'll, you'll figure that out. It's, you know, just talk to other hikers and stuff. Um, you'll, you'll be able to make it happen, but it's pretty easy once you just do that. And then Shenandoah, you, that is like super easy. Like you literally don't have to put any thought into that. There's just a kiosk at the, the, at the entrance that just has like some paper and you just like fill out your permit there, like right on the trail. And then you just take it with you. You don't have to pay or anything for that one. So yeah, that, that one's super easy. Um, not, not too bad. Nothing like the PCT obviously. And, uh, yeah, so hopefully that hopefully that helps. Yeah, yeah. And what about specific requirements for different state parks? Uh, for example, like I know uh, the Anirondack National or not National Park, the Anirondack Park Net recently uh, are requiring bear canisters. Yeah, there's 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 so, um there's just one part of the Adirondacks, the High Peaks region, where you're required right. to to have a bear canister. Um, as far as requirements like that. Let's see, off the top of my head, I know there's a five-mile stretch in Georgia, like right at the beginning of Georgia, I think right at, right south of Blood Mountain, where if you camp in that five-mile stretch, you have to have a bear canister. If you just okay. hike through it, you don't have to have one, so if that's what 99.9% of thru-hikers do, you just hike through that, you just got to plan it. So so for instance, actually on my thru-hike, our, the way our mileage was going to work out is it was going to put us in that stretch when we wanted to camp. So we just called it early. We camped right before the the um, like the like border there, and then we just hiked through it the next morning. Um, other requirements, I don't. that's the only bear canister requirement, I think. I know there is – I feel like there might – you're going to have to – you're going to have to do some more research on this. Um, right. In my year, that was the only requirement. I feel like there's there's been a problem at uh, like the Mount – rogers area in virginia and there might be something there now i can't remember exactly so everybody listening to like you know do your own research there i I don't want to speak to that but i would look into that and then the only other like hard requirements i can think of besides the obvious like leave no trace stuff and you know be don't be a dick and stuff (laughs) um this again going back to the smokies you have to it's okay so it's weird um because of the reservation system there like i said people can like reserve spots in the shelters. So 
if you show up to a shelter in the Smokies and it's full, then you're allowed to camp outside the shelter. But if it's not full, then you have to stay in the shelter, which is really bizarre. I don't know why they do that. I guess it's probably some leave no trace stuff or something. I don't, I don't really know, but um, that is a rule there. So if you show up and it's not full yet, you have to stay in the shelter. If you show up, it's not full, you get into the shelter and then more people that had reservations, bleh, had reservations show up, um, then they are entitled to that spot over you. So this doesn't happen very often, but it does happen sometimes. And legally, this is what you have to do. If that's right. the case, you have to leave the shelter and let that person like take your spot, basically, um, which is it's bizarre. I think it's a stupid system. Um, I think most <clears throat> most people would agree with that for the most part, at least most through hikers anyways, but that's the way it is, and obviously you're going to follow the law. So just know that, I guess, um, if, if you get to a shelter in the Smokies and it's like almost full, then you might want to just uh, maybe wait to set up your stuff a little bit so you don't have to, you know, yeah. repack everything and move out of the shelter, um, which, yeah, that, that, that one's not not super fun but it's just kind of the way it is the shelters are kind of cool at least they're they're like stone and a little bit different than the rest of them so you got that going for you or maybe it'll be fucking pouring rain the whole time like it was when i went through so i probably would have stayed in the shelters anyway but i don't know that's that's like all the the hard i guess well baxter state park too has like some regulations like obviously like you got to be careful about where you camp there you have to stay at like the designated campsites and stuff and you have to pay but um i wouldn't really worry about that too much you'll figure all that out that's going to be in uh, the awol guide and there's there's plenty of information on that you know when when you make it that far so i wouldn't really worry about the baxter regulations too much for now um i would just yeah. worry about making it <laughs> to baxter <laughs> oh yeah hopefully that hopefully that is an issue i do have to deal with <laughs> <laughs> it's a good issue uh, but yeah, on that topic, uh, as someone who's never really backcountry camped before, uh, how, how would you know where's okay and not okay to set up a, a site? I mean, I'm not asking for like, oh, make sure there's flat ground. Or yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as far as like the laws and stuff go. Yeah. Like, like is how, how do I have to be a certain distance off trail? Uh, is there certain areas where I shouldn't camp? Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Yeah. So this is it's super it's super vague I hate to say it there are certain areas that have very strict camping requirements like the Smokies for instance um, and then there are areas that have technic like technically you're supposed to like to be legally like compliant you have to be X amount of feet away from the trail and X amount of feet away from the water sources and all the and all this stuff. And there's a lot of areas that that is the case that nobody follows. I'm not going to sit here and tell you to break the law. I'm just going to like, but that is the truth. And most people know that's the truth. Um, so yeah, you should, you should be usually like 50 to a hundred feet. Some places it's 200. It, it varies so much that I, I don't want to give like an exact number right, for the right. entire trail. Um, you really do have to kind of look it up yourself. Um, but just to, you know, at risk of kind of, I don't want to like piss anybody off and I'm really not trying to, you know, tell people to not follow the rules, but the, the, the obvious truth of the AT is that there are tons of what are called stealth sites that are yeah. right along the trail most of the time that are not like official marked, maybe not always legal technically campsites, but campsites that a lot of people use and, you know, almost everybody would, wouldn't really bat an eye at you using 
There are always areas that are like high impact. So there's, there's always obvious signs of people that have camped there before. Um, again, like I'm, I'm kind of treading lightly here because a number of these spots again are not like technically legal, but they're, you're not going to get in any trouble. And, you know, right, some yeah. people might say you're not supposed to camp there. And I think there's a fair argument to be made there. Personally, I would rather have somebody camp at an area that's already impacted, an area that's already kind of been cleared out um, and is almost like a designated campsite that's not designated, than have someone like trample off trail and go set up a campsite that in an area that's never been impacted before. And, you know, I, I that's my personal opinion. Again, you, you can argue fairly the sense. other way around. But, um, yeah, I would just say, uh, you know, obviously... I'm sure you've read about Leave No Trace already. Brush up on that and, right. you know, maybe um, don't camp on the trail. That's probably good to say. Like, <laughs> don't camp in the middle of the trail. And that sounds obvious, but my fucking dumbass did this a couple times when I was, like, a kid and, like, first getting into hiking. Like, <laughs> Set that hammock across dude, I, the trail. I literally did that in um, in the whites one time. I woke up at, like, 6 in the morning to someone ducking under my hammock and good. immediately realized how fucking stupid of an idea that was. So... Don't do that. Um, don't be like 16-year-old Kyle. And um, don't build fire rings either. I'll say that. That's kind of straying a little bit, but there's enough fire rings already. Like, don't don't be going around fucking building fire rings. And uh, I don't know. I kind of went off on a tangent there. Did that answer your question? Is there anything else you want me to clarify in that regard? No, that was, that was what I was looking for. And I'm sure there's probably some more stuff too that like I left out there because like I as you can probably tell I could ramble about this stuff for a while but yeah. um just use common sense and again this is going to be one of those things that you're going to figure out pretty quickly once you get out there just based yeah, off I, of what other people are doing and what other people are saying. I feel uh, I feel like a majority of the things I can yeah. ask right now. Are, and not, not that yeah. not that there's anything wrong with talking about that stuff now, but um right. just take it just kind of take a lot of the stuff with a grain of salt for everybody listening as well um if you're going to be through hiking too because. I mean, obviously, like, camping rules aren't going to be personal because you have to follow the, the rules and stuff, but some of the stuff is going to be, like, kind of personal as well, and I think I'm kind of trying to make that obvious in my answers, but, you know, yeah, you, you'll, yeah, you'll figure I, I, I tried out. not to make the questions too, too tailored to just mm-hmm. me. Okay. <laughs> hey, I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's your, uh, it's your episode, dude, so I don't mind. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, but, yeah, also kind of on that Leave No Trace track, uh, so... What would you say or recommend for just basic hygiene in terms of like cooking and mm-hmm. washing out pots and things? Obviously, you're not going to want to, you know, leave stuff lying around on the trail. Yeah, definitely not. Um, just try to eat everything, honestly. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's not an issue for me. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's going to be in, people. In, 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 sorry. In, Sorry, I mean in terms of like washing, yeah, yeah, keep, keep keeping like the pots clean and exactly. Sick. So, um, there's gonna be some people. I might, I might be catching some slack for this episode, dude. Honestly, but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna like tell you, like, to tell you the truth. Basically, there's a lot of people out there that just uh, kind of, you know, they'll they'll eat most of their food. They're not like they're they're not gonna go like dump a freaking pot of pasta on the ground because they don't want to eat it. Right? They'll they'll scrape their pot clean. And then they'll put put a little bit of water into it, step into an area that's away from where people are camping, um, maybe just swish the water around a little bit, and then just kind of dump the water. So it's not even like they're dumping, like, food into the woods. It's just kind of like – but, like, it's just, like, kind of, like, watery, you know, like, dish water-ish, like, kind of thing. Um, that's what 
that's what most people do. Um, there's going to be some people out there that tell you that that's not okay. Like I've heard people say you're supposed to drink that like water, that like watery mess afterwards. Um, I will say that I, I'm sure people have done it. I never saw anybody doing this. I never saw anybody that had a problem with someone, um, you know, just dumping the dishwater somewhere away from where people are camping, obviously. Um, if there's any food scraps left, obviously you're going to want to just pack that stuff out or just eat it. Um, like, it sounds like that won't be a problem for you, which is good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, so I that, that's what, that's what I'll say about that. Um, it's, it's, it's tricky. Cause like I said, like, I know someone out there is going to think that's wrong and I'm, I want to be totally clear. I'm not telling people to fucking dump food in the woods. Like, it's not what you're supposed to do. That's a bad fucking idea and very disrespectful as well. But Again, like, I'm just going to be honest, that's the dishwashing thing is what most people do. And in fact, there's actually a couple spots in Vermont and in the Whites where they actually have dishwashing, like, little stations. So you basically, um, it's basically just like a, trying to describe this, like a, like a mesh, like a metal mesh. Um, and then there's like some like rocks below it or whatever. And you basically, you're supposed to, you know, rinse out your pot and then dump the water on top of this mesh. And so all the water goes through, but the food scraps that might've been left will, uh, stay to the mesh and then you can scrape them up and pack them out. So definitely use those if they're around. And again, this kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like if, if, if you don't have access to those, which is going to be most of the time, just try to have zero food scraps in your pot and then just kind of like rinse it out maybe. But I don't know. Someone might give me some slack for that, but that's, that's what most people do. I will say I've also never seen any like negative impact of this. I've never once been like, Oh, someone, someone's dishwaters over there. That's like, you know, that's, I, I don't think it's much of an issue, but uh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. So, so what did you eat? I know you love your nor pasta sides and pepperoni. Is there? Any- well, I don't love them, but I, I <laughs> on the trail I did, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude, it was mostly, I feel like food is very rarely a conversation topic on this show, which is interesting. It's very important to Maybe me. Maybe I should have like a whole food episode, honestly. I'm just kind of surprised I haven't done that yet. Um, Food, so I I would eat, yeah, like the nor sides, like you just said there. The rice sides in particular, I've done the pasta ones as well. Um, and then I would just throw a bunch of pepperoni in there, a bunch of olive oil to get those extra calories. And you're also supposed to cook the, the sides with like some sort of uh, oil or butter or whatever. So that kind of works for that. And then just load that shit up with hot sauce as well. And I would just wrap that up in a burrito and just house that shit. Um, <laughs> and then just... Uh, a lot of junk food for lunch. I hate, dude, I've been eating like pretty healthy lately and this kills me to say, but literally potato chips and cookies were a staple, uh, protein bars, which I guess aren't terrible if you get the ones that aren't loaded with sugar, but I was getting the ones loaded with sugar. (laughs) Um, just calories, dude, freaking calories. Um, you'll, I keep saying this, but you'll figure out, honestly, I feel like most people when they first start, they do not get the food right. So Don't be surprised if your appetite is kind of weird at first and if there's a lot of shit you don't feel like eating. So, Um, yeah, I mean, obviously calorie intake is important because, you know, you need that energy. But uh, I I very rarely have heard anyone talking about more of, like, health concerns. Like, how do you not get scurvy? I haven't heard a single vegetable (laughs) mentioned. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to eat vegetables because they just don't, like, hold their calories. Um. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a doctor. I don't know a lot about 
nutrition. I, I'm gonna admit that, but I don't think uh, I don't think a couple months of eating like that is going to like kill you. Uh, I will yeah, say right. that you can definitely still eat vegetables pretty regularly. It's just gonna have to be in town. So if you make that a priority, like for instance, I would always eat those um. Uh, like fruit cups at grocery stores, those like okay. pre-cut like fruit cup things, because those are just really convenient and easy. So, like you can still get vegetables. It's just not going to be every single day. You're just going to have to. Uh, yeah, just it's not exactly a... the easiest thing to carry out. Exactly, and some <laughs> some people do. Like like some people do. It's not like it's impossible to do that, but just like especially in, in the context of a through hike, like it's just a uh, calories per weight. Like it's just it's just not worth it, I guess. So that's why most people don't do it. You know. Makes sense. Uh, yeah, I just had to ask. <laughs> and then actually another thing about that too, it, you can also just like pack out shit for like the first day sometimes. Like sometimes people right. will just pack out like a banana or something like that, you know, like an apple. So it's not like they're carrying it for very long, but they can still get like a little bit of a, you know, healthy food on the trail. So I don't know. There's there's ways to, to make it work. But um, if you eat like a lot of vegetables and fruit now, that's definitely going to be an adjustment. Um, I was not like that before my through hike. I am like that now. So that's kind of something that I've been dreading the next time I get out there. But yeah, it's just it's just the way it is, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, I kind of got that feeling, but, you know, didn't know if you had any magical magical. I wish, dude. If you ever <laughs> find something out, let me know. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about maybe like like powders or something to put into water. To get those vitamins, but I don't really... Um, on the topic of, like, nutrition as well, I guess I should probably mention, like, multivitamins. You can take those, obviously, different right, supplements okay. and all that stuff. And, I mean, that's pretty obvious. Like, of course, you can do that. So, <laughs> that's that's something to consider as well. I took, like, a... Like, what are the normal, just, like, men's, like, daily, whatever supplements and then i also took a probiotic as well and that was a that was nice so yeah there's there's things you can do as far as like the supplements go and stuff too because i like i know i'm concerned about like keeping my energy up on a daily basis Mm -hmm. and i think at least for me personally like just consuming enough calories is critical in that regard i don't know zach if you've listened to my episode with a mullet mike is number four is like way the fuck back oh Um, he talked about how he like the reason he thinks he wasn't able to complete the trail, even though he was so close was because he wasn't eating enough. So right. like energy wise, getting calories is, is hugely important and just eating in town a lot too. like getting like absurd amounts of calories in town is, is really important because honestly, one of the things I'm looking the most forward to yes, is getting into dude. a town oh, yeah. after, after a couple long days and having a fat burger. Dude, that's beer. one of my favorite parts about backpacking, honestly, is just <laughs> pigging the fuck out. For sure. So I, it sounds like that won't be much of an issue with you, but um, <laughs> it is with some people. Some people don't feel comfortable eating that much, and and it, it's at least for for me, it was tough to pack out enough calories to sustain myself. You know, once I was yeah. like in the thick of it, at least. So making up for those calories in town was absolutely critical for sure. I I am not a thin guy. <laughs> that that is <laughs> my I, I require. I, I wouldn't say require. I prefer to intake a lot of food yeah yeah calories <laughs> so. calories per ounce man that's a that's my advice look for foods that yeah, look for foods that are wicked calorie dense you know nuts and potato chips and olive oil things like that where mm. you're gonna get way more calories like yeah per per ounce basically so you know yeah you're gonna have more food that way so junk food unfortunately like <laughs> helps yeah. in that regard so it's yeah. you just kind of 
kind of have to try to balance it, I guess. Peanut butter, too. Peanut butter and Nutella with a spoon. Oh, I, I'm bringing my jar of peanut butter. You best believe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Trying to, I guess, switch gears a little bit here. Uh, so, obviously, we've mentioned this before. We, we're in a very, we were in a very similar situation in kind of starting uh, in terms of late start after graduation, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So... Is there any particular challenges that you might I might have to adjust differently for starting alone and so late in the season? Um besides the obvious like having to hike faster, there's not a ton. You're not going to see very many through hikers at the beginning. You'll see a couple right. per day, but you will catch up to people. Like okay. assuming you're hitting your the the mileage you need to, you will catch up to people and you'll and you'll kind of start to pass people too. Like once I got to like Southern central Virginia, I started catching and passing people that had started like weeks and sometimes even like a month or two ahead of me. Like I was, I was catching people that had started, um, you know, a a long time, like uh, ahead of me. And I I would just say at the very beginning, you're going to be around a lot of section hikers too. So you're not going to be alone. There's still going to be a lot of people on the trail. It's just, most of them won't be through hikers. And Excuse me. Um, I'm just I'm trying to think what else. Other than that, like it's not going to change too much. Uh, you'll be hitting some cold weather at the at the end, but dude, you're a you're from the northeast, so you're gonna have no problem with that. You know what it's like in in uh, early October up here. So I would um, prefer early October. Yeah, than, honestly, oh, yeah, than, for sure. Than midsummer. South. Oh, that's true. Actually, I'm glad you mentioned <laughs> that. So that was like the fucking story of my through hike. Honestly, I can't believe I didn't mention that. Um, heat, yeah, you're going to deal with heat and humidity too is the worst part. I mean, I can deal with heat, but humidity is not not something I enjoy. It's tough. It it really is tough. Um, it, it's obviously it's going to vary. Uh, for me, I didn't get hit with it until like a month into my through hike. And then I had it for for all the way up until even parts of New Hampshire. I was still getting like some bad days, but it's going to vary. Obviously it depends on the summer. Um, I'll just say that... I guess every, everybody's going to still get that to some degree. You're just going to get it more right, because right. you're going to be down south while it's summer, basically. Um, just make sure you're freaking hydrated. Like, the the um, oh, yeah. Propel packets, like those Gatorade packets, were like a fucking... Like, they were, those were my savior, I swear to God. Like, I drank so many of those things to keep those electrolytes up. Um, if it's... Hot. Hydrate or dehydrate, that's what I always yeah, say. Yeah, dude, for real, for real. And obviously that's going to be important. doesn't matter what time of year it is, but especially like when the humidity is bad. And I'll say chafing is going to be an issue as well. And again, these aren't exclusive to someone who starts late, but they're just going to be a little right, bit right. magnified for I, you. I, I already got that little mini body glide. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And honestly, like I, I never found a like – foolproof way to keep the chafing away i hate to say it it's it's tough because it it's i i tried the like the moleskin and it would just slide off my body i also sweat a shit ton too i sweat way more than the average person so like um the yeah the, the body glide kind of worked for me but i would have to reapply it like super frequently i'll say i think the probably the best way to mitigate the chafing is to try to keep your uh your clothing as like um not like clean as in like free of like germs and stuff but just a free of like the the salt and stuff in your sweat because yeah. that like yeah. that's what causes the chafing obviously when when the material gets really like a uh, you know coarse or whatever so usually i would start 
like say I, I left town, I would be fine, even if I was sweating a ton, until like the first uh, until actually no, say like the third time my shorts got like soaked from sweat and dr- then dried up. So like, yeah, if you can yeah. maybe try to like rinse them off in a stream or something, or maybe not in the stream, but you know, try to try to keep them for free from the the salt and stuff, which is almost impossible but that might help um i wish i had like a solid piece of advice there you're just gonna have to improvise man it really sucks it actually also um depends on the shorts too that you're wearing like maybe uh i don't know i i had like just like a pair of running shorts with a liner in them for most of my through hike and sometimes i feel like if i had had like some actual underwear that might have helped too but I don't know. It's right. it's hard to avoid the chafing. Like everybody gets it at some yeah, point. Yeah. It, it's it sucks. <laughs> it really. But sucks. that kind of that kind of segues well into what I was going to bring up next in in terms of clothes. Um, so I've I've heard a few different you know theories, not theories, but strategies, I guess, in terms of what clothes to bring. Um, but you know, I've heard people say bring a pair to hike in, bring a set of clothes to hike in, bring a set to sleep in. I've also heard you know bring two pairs to hike in so you can alternate them and a pair to sleep in all these different things. So I, I, I guess what I'm asking is like, what did you do and how, how did it work out for you in terms of rotating? Yeah. Um, so I had one pair to hike in and one pair to sleep in. And okay. that's what, I feel like that's what most people did. Some, you know, with some slight variations, um, pretty rare that I would find someone who only had one set of clothes, but people do it for sure. So again, like you'll figure out what works for you, but I like to do that because again, going back to the sweat thing, I sweat a shit ton. So I did not yeah. want to be lounging around in my, uh, in my dirty hiking clothes. Um, it also helps too, to have a, a, a clean pair of clothes to sleep in just like, first of all, morale wise, like, you know, yeah, at the end of the day, you can feel like, even if your body is gross and sweaty, like the sweat will dry eventually, you'll still be gross, but putting on relatively clean clothes feels good and it definitely is a morale yeah. booster um and then also it just helps keep your uh like your sleeping bag and your tent or whatever hammock um cleaner too so yeah um it won't wear out as quickly or, or be as as grimy so i i i i had a long sleeve like fleece and a pair of like leggings um that were my like second pair of clothing and i even when it was hot like even during the summer i I had that. I found for me personally, I, I definitely could have gotten away with a pair of shorts and a short, just another short sleeve t-shirt as well for the sleep clothes and maybe saved a couple ounces. But I liked having the majority of my skin covered for when I was sleeping because my legs would get like super sweaty and sticky. Then they would like stick together while I was sleeping and it just felt gross. So having like some, yeah. <laughs> some like cloth between this, the skin was, uh, <laughs> was nice. But again, Maybe start with something like that, and you'll figure out pretty quickly what works for you and what doesn't. So, yeah, we were just talking about sleeping. And so I was wondering kind of what kind of temperature quilt should I get? Because yeah. I sleep I sleep very, very warm. So I'm worried that if I get too warm of a bag that I won't use it, and then mm-hmm. I'll get too cold during the night. Kind of that kind of thing. <laughs> um, so I would say it's going to depend on what you already have or don't have and what your budget is. In a perfect world, if you have a large budget, um, what I would do is get a summer bag and another bag or quilt for the fall. So maybe okay. start with like a 40 degree, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe you could even go higher than that, but 
that's what I would do anyways, is like a 40 degree for for the summer. Um, maybe start out with a colder one just until you get through the Smokies, just to be safe. You'd probably be fine, but um, just to be safe. And then maybe start, start out with a 30 and then swap the 30 for like a 40 or 45 um, after the Smokies up until you get to like Vermont or even New Hampshire um, and then get the, the cold bag again. But I would say like, especially if you're a warm sleeper, like for most of the trail, like a 40 or 45 should be okay. And if you find that that is slightly too cold, but not cold enough to, to warrant the 30 degree bag, you can also just get like a, like a, um, like a sleeping bag liner or honestly just buy another, just buy like a thicker fleece or something like that too. Like wear your right. clothes so, while you sleep. So, so what I, what I currently kind of planned on doing and i wasn't sure how this would how well this would work was i was looking at i don't know if it was you or a, another youtube channel that i was watching that recommended zen bivy quilts uh Do you, not me i don't even all I've right never even so, heard. <laughs> so so somewhere i was i was researching uh said zen bivy was a good zen brand zen bivy zen bivy yeah because they seem relatively affordable and high quality mm-hmm. uh so i guess my my plan was i was looking at their 40 degree quilt and then getting a liner to kind of add to it yeah that's not a bad idea yeah honestly i think that would work um and then when you get up north if you do need more which you might not honestly might be fine if you do then you can always just get like another jacket or something like yeah i would rather put more clothes on honestly yeah Uh, and that way you'll you'll probably save some money too so that that honestly did that sounds like a pretty solid plan i would uh I would go with that for sure. And then honestly, you might even be able to get rid of the liner. Um, You know, start with it for sure. And you'll, you'll realize that pretty quickly, you know, whether or not you actually need it at the start. I mean, I was honestly kind of thinking of just using the liner on some of those warmers. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true too, man, (laughs) for sure. Um, Do you have a tent or a hammock? So I'm 10. I got a, I got a one person tent. Okay. So that's, Um, that should work just fine for, for a tent system. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Other gear questions, I guess. Uh, is there any particular piece of gear that you deem necessary that a beginner like me would not necessarily think of right away? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, oh man, necessary. Ah, um, oh dude, you, you got me, (laughs) you stumped me, dude. Um, I don't even know, like. I've had the same gear for so fucking long now. That yeah, I just, like, uh, yeah, that might be that might be a little unfair, just because you. you oh have no, such... it's not unfair. It's it's a good question. I'm just trying to think. Um, necessary. Well, may, maybe not absolutely See, essential. It, it, I mean, it's, obviously, it's also, you need. Sh- yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, but I know what you're saying. It's also tough because I feel like most of the time the beginners are taking stuff that's not necessary, like too much stuff rather than yeah, the other way I'm, around, you know? I'm, I'm the opposite. Like, I'm not going to bring it unless I know I'm going to need which is to good. use it. Which is good. Um, dude, I like can't even think. I'm, I'm <laughs> sure I'm sure somebody out there listening can think of some things. So definitely uh, reach out to me and Zach. We're going to get to his, his contact info in just a second and, and let us know. But, um, dude, I like can't even think of anything. You got me. You stumped me. Fuck. <laughs> Good. Well done. <laughs> Anything like, man, I don't know. Like the, the clothing thing we, ju- we just went over is like kind of a thing, I guess. Like maybe people wouldn't think to bring like some extra clothes. But again, I feel like it'd be the opposite. I feel like most people would bring too much for clothing. So I don't know, man. <laughs> I think 
I think, uh, again, it's more people bringing too much shit rather than not bringing the essentials, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm start. I have, um, I'd say probably 75% of my gear total right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's looking like I'm going to get, so I got a, I got a 46 liter pack and it looks like I'm going to be keeping my base weight under 20 pounds, which I don't know. I'm pretty proud of that for never That's doing good. this before. I, have you actually weighed everything out yet? Uh, <laughs> kind of makeshiftly. Like I knew, I know what my tent and sleeping pad were, uh, but I didn't have them with me when I was weighing them. So I, I literally threw an eight pound like dumbbell in the bag <laughs> and kind of <laughs> did, did some of the math out of that way. So it's, it's not exact, but it was still with the extra weight. It was still about 16 pounds. Okay. Okay. That's not, that's not like terrible. Most people around you are going to have more than that. Um, I think you'll be able to get it down once you start to. I think you're going to yeah. probably, you know, we don't have to go through every single fucking item in your pack right now. But um, honestly, dude, if you want to, like, send me your gear list at some point, too, I can I can look over it a little bit. But um, I think you'll be just fine. I yeah. think you'll probably... I, I wasn't too concerned about weight either uh, because, as I kind of mentioned before, I'm not small. So mm-hmm. yeah. I know I'm going to lose quite a bit of weight on the trail. So kind of, like, net weight. <laughs> I have a little more wiggle room in terms of what I could bring in my pack. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would, I would definitely still try to get that down a little bit. Um, okay. But it sounds like you're on the right track. So I, I feel like if, if, especially if it's only a 46 liter pack, it's kind of hard to fit a lot of shit into a 46 liter pack. So I that, think that's, uh, that was kind of my goal. <laughs> I think, no, that's good. That's, that's really smart. Honestly, I would recommend that to, to any beginner is get maybe a slightly smaller pack than you think you need. Um, so I, I think you're on the right track there for sure. And like I said, um, I if you can cut down a couple more pounds, I would definitely try to as well. My base weight was like 12 or 13, and okay. there's even a bigger there's there's a big difference between 12 pounds and 16 pounds. Like you might it might not seem like it, but there is like literally every pound that you can cut. I would definitely go for. You know, I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that it's like the most important thing ever because people finish with heavy packs but um, um i do think it's important especially if you're going to be moving quick from the start like just yeah. as far as not injuring yourself and not having a fucking miserable time um again i don't talk about gear very much on the show but i yeah, yeah highly yeah. recommend people try to get their weight as light as they possibly can this past summer i worked with someone who did the pct last last year um and he's also in college so he did it between semesters like Damn. Between over the summer. Uh, granted, it was when the wildfires were hitting, so he, he had to skip a few oh, sections. Yeah. But but he still did the entire thing in in the summer. And he was big into the ultralight. I think he said his base weight was seven pounds. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, you, you can really get it down there. I'm not quite that low yet, but um, <laughs> I'm hoping to cut some more yeah. uh, time. Or more time, Jesus Christ. Cut some more, uh, cut some more weight, so yeah. It's a never-ending quest. Unless you're Dan Becker, then you try to add weight sometimes so you can make videos about it, but <laughs> I digress. All right. Yeah, so that was my gear questions. I mean, I, I could keep going. I don't know. You said you I think kinda... we got time for, like, one more. You can do one more. Okay. Uh... And, dude, and, dude, like, if you have more questions beyond just what we get to now, like, I, I'm, like, happy to talk again sometime off record as well. Like, you know, like, I, I love to help people out with this stuff, so... You know, ask, ask, ask your last question, but it doesn't have to be like the last question, you know, I'm, I'm always right, down to help all out. Right. So I'll make, I'll make sure it's a good one then. 
so I, cause I know you like talking about this stuff. Uh, I mean, I do listen to your podcast. So, uh, <laughs> so I, as I mentioned, like I am starting alone, I'm going from living in a college house with five, six other people or four or five other people rather, uh, to going alone, kind of more the mental aspect of hiking at all. How, how do you, how do you avoid the daily routine from feeling like monotonous or repetitive and just how do you like motivate yourself to get going every morning yeah to do the same thing you did yesterday and two weeks before and a month before yeah man it's it's all gonna come down to why you're hiking so it's again it's highly personal um for me it was just like a fucking burning desire to hike the whole trail that was enough for me to just yeah. be willing to to put up with things. Um, you know, obviously everyone's reason is going to be different. If you're just out there to like have an adventure and like, oh, <laughs> I want to, you know, find myself or whatever. And, and there's nothing wrong with, with being in that boat. But if that's the boat you're in, um, I'm not saying you specific, Zach, but just in general. Right, right. Yeah, no, I get you. I get you. Um, you're going to have a lot harder of a time finding that motivation once the the honeymoon phase wears off, basically. Right, right. So yeah. if you know why you're out there and you are determined to make it the entire way, like that is a specific goal of yours, not just like, oh, yeah, I want to hike the Appalachian Trail. You know, if you, if you really put some thought into that, then that will be motivation for you. Um, cool. And like I said, if you're just uh, if you're just out there to have a good time and – you know, see some cool views, then maybe you'll make it. Some a lot of people do that. Like that's fine for a lot of people, but um, not for the majority of people, from my experience. So know why you're out there. And then as far as I'm um, breaking up like the the routine and stuff, just like try to not take it super seriously all the time. Um, this is pretty easy, honestly, because through hackers are, are goofy ass people for yeah, the most I'm, part. I'm not a serious person. <laughs> yeah, which is which is good, you know. You'll find a group of people you like hiking with. Um, you'll lean on each other quite a bit just for entertainment and for uh, motivation as well. Um, and just, like, be creative. Try to just, like, uh, yeah, just don't take it that seriously. You know, understand yeah. how lucky you are to be out there. This is especially at the beginning of my through hike. I was, like, really big on this. I really wanted to keep reminding myself how lucky I was to be to be doing that. And that's that's another another good little tip as well. But, um. Yeah, uh, know why you're hiking. I think that's the biggest piece of advice okay. I can yeah. I can give there. And, and honestly, just based off of this conversation, you're asking the right questions. Um, I think uh, I think you're gonna do pretty well, man. You, you never awesome. know, but uh, <laughs> but it sounds like you, your head's in, in the right place. And I gotta say as well, just from my experience, I think st- starting late, though you're at the disadvantage in that you have to hike a little bit faster than the average person does. Um, kind of racing against the clock almost does give you a little bit of extra motivation yeah i guess those juices flowing yeah man because it's like if you're if if you're not racing against the clock as much you know this is not i'm not trying to generalize too much but a lot of people a lot of people that i was passing you know once i caught up to the quote bubble or whatever the end of it anyways i I feel like they had just been kind of lollygagging they were just out there having fun and they weren't worried about time and then the next thing they knew all of a sudden they kind of did have to worry about time. And then at that point they just didn't, that they hadn't really adjusted to that. They hadn't had to deal with that. And so they, they just ended up quitting and, or, or, yeah. you know, just kind of yell blazing and, and <laughs> fucking around or whatever. So 
So honestly, the fact that you're starting late can be somewhat of an advantage if you yeah. kind of view it that way and if you treat it that way. So honestly, that's one thing I wish I had known going into my through hike because at first I was, I was very, I don't want to say stressed out. I was on a fucking vacation at the end of the day, but like, <laughs> you know, like it was, it was a little bit of a hindrance to my enjoyment and just like, yeah, you're going to have to push yourself a little bit more than you might want to sometimes, but, uh, if you if you try to look at it as like an extra challenge and extra motivation, I think that's the biggest part of what I'm saying here. Um, yeah. It can it can it can actually be an advantage. So yeah, dude, I think you're gonna do great. And uh, thank you so much for for doing this. I apologize again about the stupid uh, email. Not even email. My stupid timing issues. I oh, no I'm not very good with that stuff. It's honestly a fucking miracle. I get these out every single week because <laughs> you're not the first person that I've had trouble scheduling with, unfortunately, and it's always been my fault. So I apologize, but I, I'm I'm really stoked that we were able to do this. And yeah, man, uh, I appreciate it. Why don't you go ahead and give like your if you want to your social media and where people can go follow you because uh, people have been asking me to do like a trail correspondence-esque thing on the show for a while now and i've wanted to i just never have because i'm stupid i guess but i I don't know um like what's your like instagram and stuff where can people go and like cheer you on follow you and um and all that stuff so i actually made a uh hiking instagram for for that purpose mostly just for like myself to like track it kind of Mm -hmm. so more so than just a collection of pictures on my phone but to actually, you know, get yeah. some captions out there with sure, it. Man. So uh that Instagram is hike out Zach. Uh so it's you know hike out Z A C K spell my name. Uh <laughs> it's kinda kind of an homage to my uh my sailing team. because uh, <laughs> hiking out is a sailing thing. Uh, <laughs> I don't know anything about sailing. <laughs> hiking out I is a either. sailing thing? That sounds like a hiking thing. I didn't either. Hike out, yeah. Uh <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that, that's my Instagram, and that's kind of the only hiking thing I have, uh, but yeah. Cool, man. I will have a link to that in the show notes. I need you to promise me one more thing before we go here, dude. Yeah. Um, I need you to promise me that whatever happens, you will come back on the show afterwards. Hopefully oh, for sure. Hopefully in triumph, maybe in defeat. <laughs> wow, that sounds so so much more dramatic than it actually will be but um <laughs> i would love to i would love to talk again and, and i know people are are going to want to hear from you again just uh and, and kind of see how you did and honestly if you don't make it to now i can shoulder some of the blame because like oh that fucking <laughs> kyle gave kyle guy didn't give him good enough he advice, said it was so. okay if i did <laughs> you like freeze to death because i told you to bring like a fucking 40 degree <laughs> sleeping bag or something yeah well i know i know me i'm way too stubborn to not finish it like barring like a serious injury like unless unless like I get really sick or really injured, I really don't see myself choosing to step off. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's good. So, that's good, yeah. man. That's uh, that's the same attitude I had going into it. So I think you're gonna do just fine. And also let me know once you get up to Vermont as well, and I'll come give some trail magic and and uh, and help you out there. I think that's gonna do it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hopefully my uh, my throat voice thing wasn't too distracting. And um, yeah, thank you again, Zach. Have a good one, everybody.